Hello, hello, my above average tribe, and welcome back to the A Minus Life podcast. I am your host, Casey Jericho. And once again, I am so happy to have you here listening, and I hope we can laugh, learn, and grow together. Before I get into the topic for this week, I want to remind you guys that every review, like, share is so appreciated and really helps me and this channel out. So if you're not too busy while listening to this, it would be very appreciated if you could subscribe to this podcast or my YouTube channel, leave a rating, uh, leave a raving review on either platform. Also, please share with family, friends, even mortal enemies. I want to uh, also remind you guys that even though I have turned into a professional podcaster, my true love is my one-on-one lifestyle coaching company and our lifestyle app. If you are ready to make some sustainable and enjoyable change and learn what feeling good actually feels like, please click on the link in our show notes, on my Instagram, or on my website and join the team. You can use code A-LIFE10, spell out minus, to get 10% off any package you choose as a thank you for tuning in. I really appreciate it. And now that my lovely spiel is over, let's keep showing up and get into it. Hello, and welcome back to episode 22. I cannot believe that I have had 22, well, I guess 21 things to talk about. And it's amazing that some podcasts are like 600 episodes deep, maybe one day. So today's episode um, is about the world of sleep. And I guess this is the one podcast that I can't be offended if I bore you and put you into a nice slumber if you do happen to listen to this like on the couch or before bed, even though this would not be the most relaxing thing to listen to before bed. But if I lull you to sleep, I guess I got my point across, right? (laughs) So little backstory on my personal relationship with sleep, right? I totally used to be one of those I'll sleep when I'm dead kind of people, right? It made me feel tougher and like better than others and cooler. Um, Now I kind of realized that I was just being dumb and obnoxious and probably stressing myself out more than I needed to. Um, The saying I'll sleep when I'm dead is literally just causing you to die earlier, probably. Um, But growing up in my household, right, sleep was important, but it was only ever done for a certain amount of like hours. Um, Like I had previously said in my roast podcast, um, the word nap like wasn't in my vocabulary till I got to college and I saw other people's other people doing it. Um, This was not even like a consideration in my house. Maybe one or two times if I had like the flu or something, I was able to close my eyes. But even then, I don't really ever think I like slept during the day. It just wasn't even an option. I have never seen my parents take a nap in my whole life. Again, I used to joke that only when my mom fainted, that was her nap, right? Um, Just didn't happen. Like they didn't sit on the couch and close their eyes. They didn't go into their room and close their eyes. It was not even a word they spoke about in the sense that they wish they could have, right? They didn't say, I wish I could nap right now. Um, It was just exactly, they just stayed up. Um, So sleep was allowed, I guess you could say, from eight at night, right? They didn't like judge you for going to bed early, but till like eight in the morning. You didn't sleep past that. There were things to be done. 
Um, now, don't get me wrong, right? I had a very busy schedule on weekends, so it wasn't like I really had the option to sleep later anyway. I was traveling for sports, at practice, had a game. It wasn't like I had the luxury to do it anyway. And then obviously during the week, I had school. And summer, once again, was filled with sports. And once that sun was up, we were up. We were very much circadian rhythm kind of family, I guess. Um, Staying up very late also, like, wasn't an option. Uh, My parents probably went to bed around 9.30. I probably went to bed a little bit earlier than them, from what I remember. Again, I have a very bad long-term memory. Um, And, you know, my house was super, super small. So one light on it pretty much lit the whole house. So it wasn't like I was staying up late to watch TV while my parents were going to bed. Like you could hear the TV through the wall. You could probably see the light from under the door. The dogs would be up. So it was just wasn't an option. Um, Maybe 10 o'clock was the latest if we were watching, you know, a show together, but that was it. I do remember one time my senior year in high school, um, I fibbed to my parents. Sorry, mom and dad, if you're listening to this that I had this really long paper to write for English so I could stay up later and go on AIM. Um, If you're under 30, you probably have no idea what AIM is. If you're over 30, you understand that it was the best thing ever, Um, right? And now that I look back on it, I think it was probably like 11 o'clock that I stayed up to and I thought I was like the baddest bitch in town. Um, Yeah, that shows you how cool I was in high school. Right. And also, if you have listened to the Q&A episode last week about supplements, um, I didn't sleep well up until about like six months ago. So 34 years of my life was crappy sleep. Um, It would take me hours to fall asleep. Um, I couldn't even really nap because I would need like a three hour window to nap because it took me at least an hour, hour and a half to fall asleep. And then if I wanted an hour nap, they're already on like almost three hours. So napping just wasn't even an option because I couldn't get to sleep fast enough. Um, I'm a very, very light sleeper. I would wake up at the smallest and quietest noise. I thought that was normal. Um, And then I never really hit REM. I actually had a study, a sleep study done on me in college. And I like, I was just in light sleep my whole sleep cycle. I never really dove deep. Um, I could remember almost every dream very vividly, and I never really hit that cycle. And I honestly think it helped me when I had kids because I was just as exhausted or my sleep was just as shitty my whole life. So getting up every couple hours to now tend to the kids, yeah, it was rough because I actually had to get up out of bed, but it's kind of how I slept my whole life anyway. Um, I'll never forget Tom looking at me once like, after Rory being alive for a couple of months and her being such a handful, he was like, why don't you look more exhausted? Like this whole week you slept like six hours. I'm like, I don't know. It's just kind of how I roll. Um, but I think it prepped me for having kids. So it wasn't until recently that I finally appreciated and like acknowledged how important rest is for you and for physicals that you have. Um, Right. Like I got my blood work done and realized I had like zero progesterone and my hormone specialist was like, how do you sleep? And I was like, like I have been for 34 years and I described it to her and she's like, yeah, that's not sleep. Um, So that could totally be another reason why I worked so hard in the gym, but didn't really see amazing results like I should have probably with the effort that I was putting in. 
um, now, the more I learn, the more I educate myself, sleep and rest is so crucial, all right? If you have a goal of building muscle and staying lean, um, you have to sleep, right? Your muscle literally grows on rest days. Your human growth hormone gets released when you sleep. So sleep is not for the weak. It's actually for the strong and for the smart. So, you know, you're not winning any battles by forcing yourself to stay up or, you know, sleep is, I'll sleep when I'm dead, right? It's actually a silly quote. Um, my friends actually make fun of me because if we go out to dinner, I ask to go at like 4.30 or 5 because I still want to be in bed by like 9 o'clock the latest. Um, during the weekday, me and my husband literally walk up to bed at 8.30, 8.45. We put the kids in at 7.30. We watch like one show that's 45 minutes long, have some creamy ice cream maybe, and then we call it a night. I mean, granted, I am up at 4.20, right, to work out and go to work. So I do wake up a lot earlier than most people, right? I'm not sleeping till 7 or 8 p.m. like most people who have a 9 to 5. Um, but the other day, I was actually making a reservation for me and Tom for a date night. And I called the restaurant and I was like, hi, do you have a 4.30 dinner reservation? And they're like, uh, sweetie, we don't even open till five. And I was like, oh, um, yeah, it was for my grandma. Ha ha. No, it was for me. I'm 34 and I like my sleep. So I guess we had to go at five o'clock. We were literally like outside waiting for them. Losers. Um, okay. So now that you have my fun background on sleep, let's dive into the sciencey part of sleep, right? And how it's essential to be a high functioning human. So sleep is sometimes referred to as the ultimate performance-enhancing drug, right? It's free. We do it every day, and most of us wish we had more of it. So the level of quality and quantity we get is vital to maximizing so many of our life's functions, right? 32% of the general population gets insufficient sleep. Just imagining, just imagine, right? Folk, um, you're trying to function at 32% less of your efficiency, right? 32%. You could be 32% better during the day if you just slept a little bit better. That's a big chunk, right? It's not, that's not insignificant at all. So here's what we know about how sleep affects the body um, and how it kind of relates to fitness. So sleep deprivation first can hinder muscle growth by inhibiting the anabolic process, right? And simultaneously, also creating a catabolic state, right? And that's a state at which you're losing mass, both fat and muscle. We don't want to lose muscle. Um, inadequate sleep can hinder strength outputs in your, straining, in your training programs, which, you know, means you can't lift as heavy. And that also directly affects muscle growth. Sleep deprivation can impair endurance exercises as well. Um, anything lasting longer than 30 minutes, poor sleep, you can really lose value in that workout, right? And all the studies that kind of back this up, they are examining sleep and exercise performance after one night of poor sleep, just one. So chronic poor sleepers are most likely going to experience these performance drops at even a more drastic rate. Like if one bad night's sleep can have all this effect, imagine if you're 30 years bad sleep or 20 years bad sleep, right? It's crazy. Right. The other thing to look into is, do you even realize you're sleeping poorly? And this is what my issue was. Some people just think five hours is quote unquote enough or I operate well enough. 
and I just don't need as much sleep as everybody else. That's not necessarily true. Like I thought I was that way. Like, oh, I just don't need a good night's sleep. I can just push through. Well, I might not need it, but I am functioning at a lower level than I could be. So you do need it. Um, Correct. You're not going to like fall asleep in the middle of the day. You're not going to, you know, trip over your feet or not be able to pick up a 10 pound dumbbell, but your body does need it. And if you have certain goals for yourself, you do need it. Um, Right. Imagine if you were able to get in a routine of getting seven to eight hours every night, that would increase your output on everything in your life. Right. Remember, poor sleep doesn't just leave us feeling sluggish and groggy, but it affects everything else. Digestion, mood, libido, memory, reaction time, so, so much more. Um, There was a study done that people who slept five and a half, five and a half, because it's ass, five and a half hours, they lost 55% less fat during a training program and they lost 60% more muscle then a person who slept eight and a five, 8.5 hours, okay? Um, they preserved 60% more muscle and they lost like 60% more fat. So for sure, more sleep is better, right? Now, if we dive into the details of sleep metrics, so like what, what happens when you sleep or like what is going on when you sleep? Now, this is not going to be the most interesting. It is going to be a little bit sciencey, but I will try and make it as simple as possible. I'll try and throw in some jokes. Um, and I won't, you know, I won't make it 40 minutes long. But I think it's important that you guys know what actually is going on. So first thing is your RHR, your resting heart rate. So understanding the significance of resting heart rate is an essential it's an essential metric that measures the number of heartbeats per minute during periods of rest so not when you're working out when you are sitting not moving tracking your rhr can offer really valuable insights into your cardiovascular health and overall fitness a constantly high resting heart rate may indicate very high stress the need for more recovery um Additionally, certain factors such as alcohol consumption, illness, or stress can cause temporary spikes in your resting heart rate. Another thing I want to quickly go over with that is some people think that drinking and smoking weed and whatnot helps with sleep. Now, I used to think this too, right? Because like you get hammered and you knock out. You may fall asleep. You are not sleeping well. So you may knock out and sleep for 12 hours, but your quality of sleep with booze in your system or THC in your system, or I guess, I'm not sure if it's THC or the other part, I think it's THC, um, definitely booze, is shit. It is not good. So you still wake up tired. Um, everyone's felt this, right? Like part of you being hungover is the fact that your sleep quality was garbage, You might hit the pillow and again, knock out. You might hit the floor and knock out. doesn't matter. Falling asleep might be easy, but it's the quality of sleep you get when you are drunk that is absolute crap. And I don't know about you guys, but ever since I hit like 33 years old, when I drink, I wake up at like 1 a.m. and I cannot go back to sleep. It's like the second I sober up kind of. 
So once the alcohol is done being processed in my body, I wake up and then it is staring at the ceiling until like 5 a.m. And this kills me for the next like day or two. So this has been one of the biggest reasons why I have really cut down my drinking, honestly, because I just can't afford to sleep for three hours a night. It it messes me up for days and days. And the waking up at 1 a.m. to stare at the ceiling and not be able to go back to sleep kills me. Um, okay, so the next thing is heart rate variability, HRV. So this is very key on manage, managing stress and fatigue. So HRV, heart rate variability, is a measure of the time variation between your heartbeats. So a higher HRV is typically associated with better stress adaptability, aka your chiller, while a lower HRV may suggest fatigue or poor recovery or higher stress. By monitoring your HRV, you can kind of better gauge your body's readiness for the day ahead. So WHOOP, quote unquote, does this, right? It it looks at your HRV and tells you how ready you are to train or how recovered you are. Um, If you guys don't know, WHOOP is a certain smartwatch. Um, I had it for a month or so. It's great in the sense that it does give you a lot of information like, okay, you're this much recovered. You're ready to train at this intensity. You need this much sleep in order to recover. But it's very unrealistic for a busy mother, father, professional. Like, cool. Yeah, I might need 10 hours of sleep to feel recovered. But guess what? I have a two-year-old, a four-year-old, and I'm working a full-time job. I can't do it. Or, you know, it's leg day and it says you're only 1% recovered. You shouldn't work out. Well, Saturday is the only day that I can lift legs. So guess what? Whoop, I'm working out. So I think it's great for high-level athletes that can like really adjust their training schedules and their sleep schedules according to their recovery and their body's readiness. But for, you know, Jack and Jill, you know, me and most people listening to this, we just don't have the luxury of being like, oh, sure, 12 hours of sleep tonight. Got it. Um, So I gave it back because you have to pay like a monthly prescription. Um, So this is one of the things that does – gauge. So one of the most effective changes you can make to boost your HRV is to increase the time between your last meal and bedtime. So not eating close to bedtime. Now I want to make it so it's like an hour and a half to three hours. Now, please don't take this saying that, oh, you're right. I can't eat after nine. Everyone's like, all my my clients will be like, so I can't eat past seven, right? Because it'll turn into fat. That is not true. This has nothing to do with how the food is stored in your body. Um, It's just about promoting optimal digestion and the fact that you're still walking around and you're able to digest food a little bit better. So if you eat your last, you know, if you go to bed at 10, try and have your last, you know, don't be eating at 930, um, right? So I try and go to bed by 9. I usually shut my my eating off at like 730, 745-ish. It has nothing to do with it being stored as fat or turning, you know, raising my weight. It's just all about helping my HRV. All right, deep sleep, something that I struggled with. The importance of deep sleep for physical recovery, immune function, memory consolidation. Maybe this is why I have a shitty long-term memory. Huh, this just clicked. Maybe my 34 years of really bad sleep is why I cannot remember anything that happened more than like two weeks ago. Interesting. When I say that, I can remember stuff, but I can't put dates on things or anything. Like my husband remembers this, the year songs came out. I took one of the best trips of my life to play soccer in Brazil. I can't even tell you the year it happened. Like that's crazy, right? 
It was either sophomore or junior year, maybe. I don't know. Um, okay, so the restorative phase of sleep, the deep sleep, is essential for physical recovery, immune function, memories. Um, by monitoring the duration and quality of your deep sleep, you can make lifestyle adjustments to ensure that you reap all the benefits of this stage. Now, this can be, you know, all sorts of things. Getting to bed earlier so you have more of a window to get into deep sleep. Making your room colder so your body temperature can drop. Um, making sure you have blackout curtains so you're not woken up by light. Um, if you need soft sounds, you can have a sound machine. They're not just for toddlers. Um, putting your phone away before at least an hour before bed so the blue light doesn't mess with you, right? There's all sorts of changes you can make to make your sleep better. Okay, sleep timing. This one's super interesting, right? So the importance of constant, consistent sleep schedules for optimal results. I feel so bad for my shift workers that work days some weeks and work nights the others or who just work nights but then they're up in normal daytime for the other days. This is hard for them and this is why it takes a toll on people who work um, shifts. When Thomas worked the night shift, well, he was rotating some days, some nights. He had a very hard time. He gained weight. Um, you throw off your body's rhythm. So again, heart goes out to shift workers. Please reach out to us if you need help. We do have, um, you know, Tom was on shift, so he knows how to handle it. We have a lot of nurses and stuff that do it. So maintaining a consistent sleep schedule is essential for regulating your body's internal clock, promoting restfulness, restorative sleep. And by aligning your circadian rhythm, a consistent sleep schedule improves the overall quality of your rest. Although we often hear the terms early bird and night owl, there may be some health risks associated with both of these these things. So first, night owls, right? You are at greater risk for heart disease and metabolic syndromes. Um, according to a study um, published in the Chronobiology International in 2019, which I just read, individuals who stay up late at night are at higher risk of developing heart disease and metabolic syndrome as compared to early birds. The correlation may be attributed to lifestyle factors like diet and physical activity, um, which can vary based on sleep patterns. So if you are staying up super late, maybe you're out of bars, maybe you're sitting on the couch shoving Doritos in your mouth, you know, maybe you're not getting up early to go for a workout. So there are lifestyle habits that are kind of associated with night owls. Uh, you know, most people aren't at the gym at midnight or they're not, you know, on their walking pad at 1 a.m. They're doing, they're snacking, playing video games, watching Netflix at that time. So it can correlate to that. But night owls, um, you're at risk for some some, some gnarly things here. Um, the relationship between chronotypes and mental health. So numerous studies have examined the link between chronotypes and mental health. So according to some re research, Individuals who prefer to stay up late, aka night owls, may be more susceptible to depression and other mood disorders. No good. Um, however, it is vital to keep in mind that these connections are intricate, right, and can be impacted by a lot of other factors, such as the genetics and environments. But once again, night owls, another thing that isn't so great for your resume. Um, and the last thing for night owls, sorry, I'm kind of, you know, squashing you, but it's it's true, right? We are meant to be up and asleep with the sun. It is just biological, ingrained in us since the beginning of time. Um, you may experience some difference in cognitive performance. So according to a sleep study published in the Sleep Journal, individuals who prefer evening activities may exhibit, exhibit differences in cognitive performance compared to those who perform mornings. So 
This could impact your daily functioning and productivity as well in the sense that you are not as productive during the day, which is when most work hours are. So maybe try and shift yourself a little bit to be a morning person. Now, you may be like, I can't. Well, you can. Um, You will not die if you wake up earlier. It is not going to be easy right away, but you will eventually get yourself into a routine. No one is ingrained or it's not in your DNA to be a night owl or an early riser. It might seem like that because it's years of habit and years of that same pattern, but you can break it, right? Just like smoking, okay? No one is has DNA in their genes saying they need to be a smoker. It may seem very hard to change it, but guess what? You can. Um, waking up with the sun, and again, in the winter, it's very hard because you're up before the sun. Again, circadian rhythm is just so important. Um, There's better habits happening at 6 a.m. than at 1 a.m., right? So if you wake up at 6 a.m., you're not going downstairs to eat Oreos and play video games, most likely, right? If you're up at 1 a.m., you may be shoving cookies down your mouth and watching Netflix. If you wake up at 6 a.m., you're more likely to probably be going to a gym, having water, doing some, going for a walk, something that's a little bit more productive. Okay, uh, latency. So understanding sleep latency is important. It is the amount of time it takes you to fall asleep after going to bed. This is another thing I suck at. Um, this is like the racing brain people, right? I um, just started taking GABA, G-A-B-A. It slows down your thoughts. Now, this scared me a little bit because I was like, I think of some of the best things ever at night, right? I thought of the name of this podcast at like 1 a.m. before I started taking my progesterone. So some of my best thinking is at night. Um, so I was afraid to kind of shut that off. But it doesn't like make you a vegetable. It just like calms you down a little bit. And for anyone out there that has racing mind syndrome at night, um, you know, and thinks about space and the galaxies and how the hell this all started, um, it might be good for you. So by monitoring your sleep, how long it takes you to fall asleep, you can identify potential factors that affect your ability to relax before bed. Um, Some of the big ones, right, are stress, screen time. Some of the other ones are, you know, um, again, the blue light. Um, if you ate right before you went to bed, just like your whole, your, the temperature of your room, the darkness of your room, the noise in your room, um, some tips you can use to unwind can be puzzles. It actually like kind of tires your brain, um, really hot showers or bath, super relaxing, some breath work. Um, I am not your guru on breath work. I stink with that. And again, I think I said this in my last podcast, my like sub subconscious, just starts thinking about space when I'm my subconscious is counting my breaths. So ask someone better than me. Um, Yoga, some stretching, maybe some nice skincare routines, which I have been doing lately. I'm such an adult and limited screen time. So yes, me and Tom do watch like TV before bed, but I really try not to look at my phone. And if I do wake up to pee or something, I don't look at my phone. Um, I'd have a watch on, but I will not look at my phone in the middle of the night because it does I read somewhere, and I do trust it, that if you even just peek at your phone at night, it can mess up your sleep routine by like 90 minutes, and that's a lot. Okay, efficiency. Um, Sleep efficiency efficiency is a metric that gauges the amount of sleep you spend sleeping while in bed. Kind of a silly sentence, right? How long are you actually sleeping while you're laying in bed? 
A high percentage of efficiency indicates that you're making the most out of your time in bed by getting restful sleep, while a lower percentage suggests disturbances or frequent awakenings. Um, maybe stop drinking water an hour or so before bed so you're not up peeing. Again, make sure your curtains are nice and dark. The room is nice and cold. You don't have, you know, if you live in the city, you have some kind of noise blocker outer. If you have annoying kids, some noise blocker outers. Um, but obviously, this is a pretty self, like easy one to explain. You want to be sleeping when you're in bed, right? You don't want to be tossing and turning. Um, restfulness. So to evaluate the restfulness of your sleep, you need to factor in tossing and turning. Another thing that I was really bad at, right? As well as any disruptions or awakenings throughout the night. By understanding how restful your sleep is, you can determine if there is a need to make some environmental or lifestyle changes to improve the quality of your sleep. Um, this is why knocking out because you drank or thinking wine puts you to sleep or thinking, you know, a glass of bourbon puts you to sleep. Well, your restfulness is actually going to be crap. You're going to be tossing and turning. You're not going to get into deep sleep. The quality of your sleep is going to stink. Um, so we have to keep an eye on that. And then lastly, REM sleep, rapid eye movement. This sleep is essential for cognitive function, memory retention, and emotional well-being. Um, by monitoring the duration and patterns of your REM sleep, you can gain valuable insight into the balance and health of your sleep cycle. So some things that can help you with this is you can get the aura ring. I've never had the aura ring. I did hear that it's pretty shitty for steps, but it's pretty good for sleep. Um, I've never had it. It's a little expensive for me um, and it doesn't tell the time. So you'd also need a watch, but it is pretty aesthetically pleasing. And again, I did hear it's pretty good for sleep analysis. Uh, the Whoop, what I talked about, they do, that watch does a lot with your sleep. Um, the Apple Watch, I had an Apple Watch. I don't remember how good the sleep accuracy was. Um, Garmin, it tracks your sleep. I have an older Garmin, so maybe this is why, but like, it's definitely not right. Um, I remember the other night, because I ran on my progesterone, I laid in bed from 9 to 1.30 a.m., and I did not sleep. I was thinking about things, I was singing songs, I was all over the place. And then when I looked at my watch the next day, it claimed I was sleeping that whole time. And I think it's just because my resting heart rate was so low that it thinks I was. Um, so I don't necessarily trust my smartwatches. I think they just go a lot on heart rate, and because mine is so low, um, it thinks I'm sleeping when I'm not, but it's a good place to start. Maybe I would suggest the Aura Ring if you really want to uh, focus on your sleep. Um, the other ones obviously do a lot more with steps and whatnot, but it's always good to look. Can't hurt, but don't take them completely accurate, right? Take it with a grain of salt. Um, but that's really it on sleep. Um, as you listen to this, you could probably self-assess like I was just doing, right? It makes sense why I had certain things going on with me when my sleep was so poor. Um, and I will never forget when I first took my progesterone, my magnesium, and my GABA, and I like slept. I texted Emily, who's my hormone specialist that I go to, and I was like, holy hell, like, I actually slept. Like I didn't wake up a thousand times. I feel like I don't need coffee in the morning. I just enjoy it. Um, it was life life changing. And I know that sounds dramatic, but like it actually was. So now that I bored you with some sleep talk, focus on it. Rest is not for the weak. It's for the smart. You need rest days. You need sleep. Um, Netflix will always be there. Turn it off. Close your eyes. And it's another thing you have to work on, right? You're not just going to be able to go from a five-hour sleeper to a nine-hour sleeper. It's just like 
meal prepping. It's just like getting yourself to the gym. It's going to take practice. It's going to take intention. It's going to take discipline. Um, but it will get easier, um, especially in the winter when it's darker out. It's nice to be in bed cuddled. So work on it. Get more sleep. Rest your body. Let all that hard work that you do in the gym get a time to grow and really you know, flourish while you sleep. So lastly, before I check out, I want to talk to you guys about a spring challenge that we are doing at CJLC. It is starting March 1st, so you have about two weeks to join. Um, I'm a really shitty businesswoman, so it's only $60 for three months, um, which is way, way too cheap, but whatever. Maybe we'll make the next one more expensive. You are getting a set of personalized macros. You are getting access to my app for three months. You are getting a home workout or a gym workout. You're going to get two of them. So one's going to be seven weeks. One's going to be six weeks because I think it's like a total of, it's like 13 weeks or something. Um, So you're getting two workout blocks. You're getting a group chat. You're getting monthly Zooms. You're getting a lot. You're getting recipes. You're getting a meal planning guide um, for 60 bucks. That's 20 bucks a month for pretty much coaching. You're getting a weekly check-in. There's not going to be a response to your weekly check-in, but I'm checking everyone's macro adherence. I'm checking everyone's workouts. I'm checking everyone's steps. There are going to be, it's going to be all cash prizes. So the more people that join, the higher the cash prize will be. So spread it around. Get your work friends to join. Get your friends to join, your family, your enemies. The more people, the more money you can win. And why not? Have some accountability friends around you. Um, it's going to be two categories for the winner. The first winner is going to be body composition changes. So your first pictures compared to your last pictures. This is not, again, a weight loss challenge per se. I would much rather you lift heavy, eat well, and lose inches than starve yourself for three months and lose weight because then you're just going to gain it back once the challenge is over. So it is not weight loss. It is body composition changes. So think inches. Um, and then the second winner is going to be from our point system that we are creating. It's going to be points for how many workouts you complete, how many steps you get, um, how what steps, workouts, oh, how close your macros are each week. And our mindset coach, our therapist, is going to create a self-reflection question each week. And if you answer that, you also get points. So this is you can also be a winner from the point system. First, second, and third place are going to get point um, prizes, and it should be awesome. Our last holiday challenge, there were some unbelievable results, and over six people stayed on for coaching because they, they drank the juice and they loved it, and their results are amazing. So I'm hoping this will do the same thing. This is all individual-based, so spread it around. Keep an eye out on my Instagram. It's on my highlights. Uh, I'm going to post it on my story every day. Share it with friends. It's super cheap. Um, Again, I probably will never make a challenge this cheap again because I'm probably going to lose money on it, but hey, that's okay. Um, And that's about it. So I hope this podcast was helpful. And I know sleep is hard to control because we are all so busy with kids and work and there's just not enough time in the day. But start to prioritize your sleep. Start to go to bed a little bit earlier. Netflix can wait. The shows aren't even that good anyway. Stop scrolling on TikTok. Close your eyes. Let your muscles grow. Let your body release some fat. Um, It will pay off. Have an awesome, awesome day. Get into bed tonight. Close your eyes. Don't think about space. And send this, review this, love this. And I will talk to you next week. Have an awesome day. 
Live A minus.